God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Welcome. Jerry and I welcome the rest of the congregation this morning. Last year we were kind of lonely, just kind of talking to each other. Last week. What would I say? Last year. Last year. Well, you know. Thank you, last year. Oh, but it is good to to see everybody and to everybody that's online, welcome. Um, the snowbirds are, are gone, but we have snow and wind and cold. So, And birds. And birds. And actually, that was something. The snowbirds are the birds that are around during the winter. The white birds, the beauty, you know. How did the snowbirds that leave get called that name? They should be called geese. <laughs> so they're not snowbirds, they're geese. The geese have gone. We're waiting for them to come back. And actually, a few of the geese came back early. And it's like, I think they kind of missed their, uh, the schedule. <laughs> Either that or it's hopeful that fall or spring is on the way that um, they're here early. So we're not going to have as much winter. But, um, but welcome to everybody online. And it was kind of uh, this morning as I was going over the notes again and saying, you know, you know, I have a, a lot of scriptures. Maybe I have too many. Um, but then I looked at the our handout and where it's, it's welcome to God's little brown church. It says where God's word has the answer. I don't have the answer. God's word has the answer. So bear with me. We're going through a few scriptures this morning. <laughs> So we're going to start off in Romans <clears throat> chapter 13, verse 11 to 14. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Yeah, two weeks ago, Pastor Andrew talked about Jesus calling us to come follow him. Last week I talked about that in order to follow Jesus, we need to know who he is. And the only way to know who He is is to know His Word. And this week, the Scripture is telling us that we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does that mean, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? I think in verse 12, it gives us the hint. It says, Therefore cast off the works of the darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. The armor of light brings us to Ephesians, where it talks about the whole armor of God. <clears throat> so Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having, your, having gird your waist with truth, 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and all supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to. There are seven aspects of putting on the Lord Jesus, or putting on the armor of God. And as we talk about each aspect, I want you to imagine putting on that piece of armor. <clears throat> it starts off in verse 14, beginning, says, having gird your waist with truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, before I became a Christian, <clears throat> I was a liar. I would lie about everything. I would deceive my father, deceive friends. I was just, and I don't know if it's because of that, that for some reason, the truth means a whole lot to me now. And I, is it one of those things where maybe the sin that we're most prevalent in in our life before a Christian is the thing that we fight against or, you know, want to adhere to the most afterwards? Um, but it's something there that no matter what the truth is, I want to know what it is. Whether it's easy, whether it's hard, whether it's difficult, whether it's um, whether it's uncomfortable. <clears throat> and knowing the truth is critical. In Matthew, it t Jesus tells us um, in Matthew seven. Verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. If we don't wrap ourselves with the truth of Scripture, we won't be able to discern the true prophets from the false prophets. We won't be able to know what is the truth or what is a lie. In dealing with counterfeit money, <clears throat> they teach them <clears throat> by showing them real money and showing them the, the security features of money so that they know it so well that if either a feature is gone or something is different in that bill, that they'll be able to tell it's a counterfeit. And just as they study money, we need to study the truth of Scripture, the truth of the Word of God that so... 
no matter when we hear something, whether it's a teaching on the radio, a, a sermon, a, a song even, if there's something in there that is not true, that we will know the truth so well that the false, the counterfeit will stand out to us. <clears throat> but it's also something, if we don't know the truth, we can be de deceived by any one of these pieces of armor in putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the second thing in verse 14, it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Isaiah tells us, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. I kind of identify with Paul in Romans 7 where he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because I thank God through Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> and again, Paul says in, to Timothy that he says, This is a faithful and worthy, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. You know, it's, it's the Word of God that shows us our unrighteousness. It shows us where we truly are before our God. When I first, the first Bible study that I ever had, um, I don't even remember completely, you know, all the scriptures that were used, but it was something where it was just the, the Word of God was truth. And it rang true. I remember the, the name of the, uh, the Bible study was Into His Marvelous Light. And it was something where just seeing the Word of God laid out before me, it was like, this is true. This is real. <clears throat> but it was also something that showed me where I was and what my needs were. It showed me that I that I was unclean, that I was a sinner, and that there was nothing that I could do for myself. But the thing is, Isaiah comforts us that the Lord will take care of our unrighteousness. In Isaiah 61.10, he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, for my soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as the bride adorns herself with jewels. <clears throat> and I may have told this story before. I'm not sure if I've done it here in CR, so I'll be a little bit like Andrew and tell the story again. <laughs> <laughs> So when I first became a Christian, um, I was, you know, trying to witness to my father and his girlfriend, and um, and she said, you know, like you're so, I mean, you're so good. If if anybody was a Christian, you were. But they didn't understand. I I I saw myself. I knew what I was, and I knew the fact that. As Isaiah said, my righteousness was filthy rags. 
as Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. And I felt like nobody was as big a sinner as I was. If we don't hold on to the truth of those facts, we might think that we can earn our righteousness by doing what Scripture tells us. We might become like the Pharisees, relying on their own righteousness. But I know unless, unless Jesus Christ covers me with His righteousness and hides my unrighteousness underneath His robe, there is nothing righteous in me. And I know my flesh fights against that statement. My flesh does not want to be a wretched man. But my spirit, in agreement with the Spirit of God, convicts me that I am wretched without Him. <clears throat> so going on in verse 15, it says, "...having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace." In Romans 10, it says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And it says, Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all those who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The gospel being set free from the bondage of sin, being set free from the, from the death that is for all, where all of us will go. In Romans, it goes on and says, you know, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, I'm so thankful that the gospel was opened up to all of us, to all the world, to anyone, whosoever will call. But again, we have a danger. There actually, um, there's, there's um, sometimes. Like I said earlier, the Lord has put me just to to love and to fight for truth, no matter what. And and I am totally convinced that I need the righteousness of God to cover my sin. But when I come to having my sheet my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, sometimes I feel like I'm I'm carrying my shoes and walking around barefoot. I mean, I believe the gospel. I know that it's true. But sometimes I just don't feel like I'm putting it on and living it out day by day. And so as we're imagining putting on these pieces of armor, it's when I get to this one that 
I asked the Lord to help me. Help me to to have my feet shod with that preparation of the gospel, to to carry forward that word of God, that good news. But the danger like before as far as each the, if we do not have the truth in each aspect of this armor of God of what we put on um, there is the danger. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 Paul's writing says, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, he says, I fear that you may well put up with it. You know, we need to know to live and to proclaim the gospel. Otherwise, we may put up with a counterfeit. The next part of our armor of God, putting on Jesus Christ in verse 16, above all, taking on the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not the... not." of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our shield of faith is not our own. It is formed and given to us by God. But what are these fiery darts that are coming against us? Are they the darts of fear? Darts of doubt? Darts of lies. The dart of fear. The ultimate fear is death of ourselves or someone we love. But the truth is we shall live with Him. We shall be set free from this earthly temple and live eternally with Jesus Christ. The doubt, the dart of doubt as the Serpent said in the in the garden, did God really say? Can we really hold true to his word that it's it is the word of God? It is the truth that we can follow. And the dart of lies. And this is one that the I have kind of a, a scientific map mind. So the devil likes to attack me with creation and evolution and it's like you know, God didn't create everything. You know, not, not all science is wrong. I mean, come on, you know. But I keep on going back to the truth. And the truth is, there is no way that this could have happened by accident. I always like to say, I'll give you as much time as you want. Where did everything come from? There had to be a creator. Nothing comes from nothing, although that's what they like to try to believe. (laughs) So, 
as much as the the devil tries to deceive me with a lie and, and cause me to doubt I know that God is my creator and the creator of everything that we see and the beauty that we have in this world so what fiery darts does the devil throw at you we need to identify each one of them and find the truth that diffuses the lie that diffuses the deception that diffuses the fear we need to trust in the shield that the Lord has given us and hold it securely that's so that nothing will get past it. And then in going on to the helmet of salvation, in Luke chapter 2, it talks about Simeon. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem who named, whose name was Simeon. And this was a just and devout this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1.13, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Simeon was told that he would not die before he saw the Messiah, before he saw the salvation that God had prepared for his people and for the Gentiles. He was convinced. I imagine he was like, I'm not going anywhere until God fulfills this word that He's given to me. And just like Simeon, we have the promise. We have the promise of salvation in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Simeon was totally convinced in his mind what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit had told him. Are we convinced in our minds about that revelation of Jesus Christ? Are we convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is who He said He was? Are our minds so secure that nothing that this world or the devil has to say will persuade us away from the truth and who Jesus Christ truly is? And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Last week, I spoke about the fact that Jesus is the Word of God, the bread of life. And in order to know who Jesus Christ is, we need to know the Word of God. 
And the final word of warning in Scripture tells us at the end of Revelation to not add to or take away from the words of this book. So the first six aspects of putting on the armor of God are in preparation for the final step. It says, Praying always with all power and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may, be, may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, and that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Jesus is our example. In Mark 1, it says, Now in the morning, having risen long while before the daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And then at the end of his life, again in Mark chapter 14, it says, They came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And when he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little further and fell down and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Can you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I believe the whole purpose of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, of putting on the armor of God, is in preparation for battle and prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war to the flesh, according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. As we walk out our lives of faith, let us put on the Lord Jesus Christ and let us enter the battle prepared for victory. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your calling in our lives, that we would follow you, that we would know you, and that we would put you on so that we would be prepared for the battle that is before us. Help each one of us, Jesus, to put on that full armor of God. Help each one of us to be prepared for that hour of battle. We thank you, Jesus, for your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
For more information, visit glbcdt.org.